0: Hey, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. I'm your host, Naomi Rotenberg, and today we're bringing you part two of my chat with Rian perot Warden about how they've used their expertise to manage the relationship between their own pets. If you're just joining us for the first time, you can find the first part of the interview in last episode. Link is in the show notes. Let's get back into it. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other side effects that you saw. You mentioned that you were worried about redirection onto your other dog and that you really managed the environment really well to try to to do that.
1: To prevent that. Yeah, right.
0: So do you feel like that if you didn't have the procedure of one strike put the collar on, two strikes, Mm -hmm. collar turns on. I think that was what you Mm -hmm. said. I'm assuming within that, you put one strike, you put the collar on, and then you separated the dogs.
1: You know, once we'd been doing it for a while, I'm not sure that we did as much management of the two dogs. Initially, like for the first week or so, we made sure to remove the other dog from the room. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I honestly don't remember if we did that much more management. Also, as I mentioned, she was a resource garter. And so there were, it was a very complicated dance of just living with these two dogs particularly. And so I don't know how much, I don't remember how much of that was like the punishment procedure that we were using or just like looking at what toys were on the floor that day or Right. So I, I don't have a good answer to that. But I know that was on our radar of like, are we doing this? Where's Daphne? What's she doing? And is it going to be compounded by something else that's in the environment? Um, Got yeah, I cannot believe how stressed we were during that time. Like, and not necessarily aware of it, but living now with a dog who has her own issues and, you know, unique character traits I know we are right right I'm just so amazed at how you know right now we make when we're prepping a meal like the cats come in the dog comes in they sniff each other they're like interacting with each other and I can't believe how many years I took that kind of thing for granted or assumed that that is just how it always is and now I'm so grateful for these little interactions where the cat walks by the dog or where the cat walks under the dog. And, you know, it's that like sweet little walk through with the tail, the tail up touching the dog as they go under. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, I just, I used to think before Lenny that that's just how it was. And I admit that I was skeptical when people were like, dogs and cats might not get along. And I just have so much more (laughs) respect for that now and appreciation for the relationships that our pets do have yeah I mean
0: I think that there's it it's not all or nothing right so even if the animals quote-unquote get along there's gonna still be tiffs because anyone right I love my family very much but you know Occasionally we get on each other's nerves. So just like siblings, right, even if your dog and cat get along really well, there's still going to be some uh, cranking at each other. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where you're like genuinely concerned for animal safety, like you had with Lenny. And there's gray areas in between. I mean, a lot of animals end up being quote unquote okay with each other because they just avoid each other, right? They're not comfortable around each other, but they've figured out coping mechanisms that work because aggression is more effortful than just avoiding. For example, so we as humans might say, look, it's fine. Everyone's getting along, right? And it might not be really that way from the animal's perspective, but everyone's figured out a way to just work it out, right? Just to live together without overly stressful interactions. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and I will say. I, I'm not sure how many of your followers or listeners follow me on Instagram, probably a small number, but um, my business partner, Stephanie, has the best puppy in the world. His name is Kerberos, and he is exactly two years to the day younger than Beacon. Um, so he's two years old now, and we trade pet care. He's their only pet. I'm about to have a, a cat joining me. Um, how dare this! Cat now, hi, Twig. And so he's been coming over a lot and he's really interested in the cats and he will occasionally chase the cats and Twig keeps coming back. Twig is like, okay, what are we doing now? Like he'll jump up or he'll run away and then he'll come back and sort of supervise. And Noah has just been disappearing when Kirby's here. So if Kirby's here for a day, Noah's gone for that day. If Noah's here for a weekend, we sort of have to search for Noah and make sure we know where he is. But that also makes me think of like, I don't know that I would say Kirby's good with cats, you know, and I am seeing that Noah's like, this is not for me. And, and Kirby and Twig are sort of figuring out what their interactions are. Sometimes they'll just sit right next to each other on the couch, but often. Yeah. Kirby will chase Twig around the house. And I'm not into, I think sometimes Twig is into it and he's like, yes, chase. And sometimes Twig is like, this is a lot. I'm, I have to run and hide. Yeah. It's never all or nothing. Yep. It's, you know, even the best of friends fight and,
0: and enemies can sit in the same room yes. and, you know, not kill each other occasionally. <laughs> so I'm going to actually look at my list of questions for the first time this entire, <laughs> this entire interview, because this has been so great. So we talked a little bit at the beginning about cat testing. Eh. And it seems as though the cat testing you did with Beacon was indicative of how she did react with your cats and the cat testing as it were was with Lenny was also indicative of how she was with cats um there's a lot of controversy about temperament testing and shelters and all this stuff we're not going to go into that necessarily but I guess my question is more along the lines of like what do we think about in terms of the predictability that the temperament testing I mean the cat testing actually mm. gives you how much of it is the way the, te- the cat testing is done how much is it not really caring that we're putting cats in a situation that could be dangerous There's a lot of welfare concerns around that as well and theoretically if you're doing a relatively safe cat test there would be some kind of barrier between mm-hmm. the dog and the cat and mm-hmm. barriers change behavior
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a lot of animals. So let's riff on that for a little bit because I just threw a million things at
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly not sure that I have an answer. I can talk through some thoughts. I'm just so our old dog, Daphne, was great with our cats in the house. Like they would sometimes rub up against her. She was, she was great. And she was very, I don't know if reactive is the right word, but it's the one I'm gonna use, reactive towards cats that we saw out in the neighborhood. So if we were out on a walk and she saw a cat like half a block away, 10 feet away, two blocks away, she got intense. And that was really interesting to me because she had always just been so neutral and that indoor-outdoor change, I don't know if it was the indoor-outdoor change or if it was the cat I know, cat I don't know change, She was fine when we visited other people who had cats. She was fine with their cats, like neutral, ignored them. But outside, she wanted to get those cats. So that's just one thing that comes to mind, thinking about the different environments and what are the different stimuli that might impact that response. Um, I will also say... Beacon and I ran into the first cat we've seen outside ever. Yes, yesterday, a couple of days ago. Where do
0: you live? This magical no stray cat land.
1: I know, in the suburbs of Boston. I'd, everyone, I don't know, uh, <laughs> or they just hide from us because you know we have dogs. But we were walking and saw this cat, and it sort of it looked like Twig, and it sort of perked up and looked at me, and I called it because I was like, it's not going to come over here, right? And I also wanted to make sure it saw that I had the dog, and it. Perked up, and it did that little like, brr, and it <laughs> trotted right up to us and flopped over on the ground and beacon like beacon had really interesting body language. I wish I had got it on camera because she was perked up, but she wasn't too forward, but her tail was a little higher than all friendly, and she was like sort of forward and interested, and then it rolled over on the ground, and she play bowed at it and did this like bark and then sort of a run away and that's when the cat was like I'm out (laughs) and (laughs) and ran and hid and Beacon was like okay friend is gone let's keep walking but that was really interesting to me because Daphne had always been so intense seeing cats outside and Beacon maybe wanted to play like I've been hearing about the prey bow lately and so part of me was like is this a play bow or prey bow I don't know it this is a term I only very recently heard so I still need to look into that. that yeah I had no concern that she was gonna hurt this cat and she wasn't treating it like a bunny, which, you know, they must be stalked and chased at all costs. So I don't know. With the cat testing, like I I would be interested in seeing multiple, like thinking behavior analytically. I want to see at least three cats. I want to measure some some aspect of behavior if you suddenly asked me to do cat testing, and I've done a little bit of cat testing at a shelter that I worked at a number of years ago. There were two cats who lived there and were just like totally unflappable. They lived in the clinic. They just walked around loose. They had shelves and beds. And so when people needed a cat test, the staff would just take one of the dogs into the clinic and call a cat and like see what the dog did and then say either like, this is a little intense, this might be okay, this is definitely okay. Like that was sort of as systematic as it got. I have no idea how reliable those results were. But if you asked me to do cat testing right now, I would wanna have at least three cats. I would wanna measure like latency to responding to the cats. I would want to have some like, what are our stress measures for the dogs so that we can collect some data on frequency or rate of that. And then I also really want to think more about like what the cat is experiencing. So those cats that were in the clinic, like they were totally cool. They were so used to living in this shelter clinic where other animals were coming in and out. They did not care if a dog came in and stared intensely at them. But I think in a lot of cases I've seen in shelters where they're like, we need to do a cat test. They just like grab the nearest cat and put it in a crate and are like, let's bring a dog in and see what happens. Yeah, And that sounds terrible to me. For cats whose
0: first inclination is usually, usually to run away when they're stressed by something, preventing them from being able to do that in a small crate scenario, there's like a dog sniffing at them or something. I mean, that is like extremely stressful. I would expect that it would be extremely stressful for an animal who really just wants that negative reinforcement of leaving. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm also curious as I'm saying this, I'm thinking like when you do have a cat, the ones I've seen, the cat's like huddled and holding really still and being like, I can't run away. I'm just going to hold really still. Yeah. After Lenny died, we fostered a few different dogs thinking about whether to get a second dog. And we had a few that were like good, okay with cats, but then in the house, when the cat ran by or when the cats were playing, they perked up to a degree that I was like, I am not sure this is good with cats. Like. I think that, and again, I haven't really officially done cat testing and this is honestly the first time I'm thinking about this question, but if I suddenly had to do cat testing, not only would I wanna see at least three trials, maybe it's the same cat each trial, I'm not super picky about that, but three trials or sessions, I would also wanna see the cat sitting, moving, and like, I don't know what the third thing is, I wanna see the cat doing some different cat things, maybe just walking around, but maybe also playing, Because Mm -hmm. maybe you have a dog that's like, I'm totally cool with this cat lying down over there. But as soon as it runs across the floor, I'm going to lose. That's going to be the thing that triggers the thing and I have to get it. Yeah,
0: that's actually really important. That's how I start conceptualizing for my clients this concept of can you relax when the cat is blank? So there's some mini milestones that we go through with first non-cat objects, toys, things like that. But really movement is a huge part of it. It's like, can you relax on your bed when this neutral object is just sitting? there? Can you relax on your bed when that neutral object is slowly, quote unquote, walking (laughs) across the floor? Usually it's like some kind of water bottle or something totally non-animate. And then we go to toys where it's like, can you basically hang out when a flirt pole is going by that's as close as we can get to an actual cat um in most houses so then it's you know if they can do that that gives us at least some semblance of predictability when there is a cat around who's moving in a less intense way um there's no way we're ever gonna like get to proofing with cats until we get to proofing with cats right right (laughs) but you can try as much as possible to simulate that and i do think that movement is a huge one especially because the behavior that we're most worried about is this predatory chain which is chase really chase is like the big one you either can interrupt the chase or you can't Mm -hmm. and then the chase is going to end somehow it's either going to end with the cat with the dog getting the cat or the cat has figured out a way to get away. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that the, the trigger of movement is, is really worked on and hammered home, mostly for dogs. I do the same things with cats because mm-hmm. dogs can be, you know, cats can be triggered by a dog's movement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually usually what ends up happening, if you have an intense dog and an intense cat, which I sometimes might call obnoxious. <laughs> is that they might be interested in each other at first, but then once the either play or movement raises in intensity, they feel stuck in that interaction. They Mm. can't remove themselves because there's just this behavioral inertia that's going on. And so giving them practice, moving away from really intense movements on both sides of the relationship is like the only way that you could potentially prepare them for that. So a lot of people are just going to say like, oh, well, my dog is like real, always wants to play with the cats and my cat is super social. So there's not going to be a problem. Well, actually, there might be when it gets too intense. They have they don't know how to they don't speak the same language all the time. So really
1: (laughs) just picturing all the all the times I've seen, like the dog's wagging her tail and the cat's wagging his tail. And I'm like, you are saying such different oh, things to yeah. each other right oh, now. Can you explain what you mean by that to the listeners? Yeah. What is this thing with the wags? It just doesn't mean the same thing. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm picturing, and there's so many ways I also feel like I need to say that dogs wag their tails for so many reasons as well. So a wagging tail is not always a happy dog. Um, but I'm picturing a situation where and like Beacon was standing there happily wagging her tail like we're playing like she's relaxed wagging. She wants to like pounce at the cat and have him chase her. And the cat, um, this was Noah, who's just like, I mean, his poor life being the the training cat, I think he's not interested in playing with Beacon at all. He's like sitting there wagging his tail sort of stiff and everything in his body language is leave me alone I don't want you near me Mm -hmm. and and who knows what's going through their head like I don't think they're having complex verbal interactions in their heads but if they were the poor cat is sitting there being like you hate this because your tail is wagging I hate this because my tail is wagging why are we still here here. (laughs) the dog in her head is like you love this because your tail is wagging I love this and they're just having completely different conversations and who knows like I would I would love to see some research on like can dogs and cats actually comprehend that similar body movements mean different things so if anyone out there is like I want to do this research study or has already done it and wants to oh lend it gosh. to me I would yeah, love that. Me up. Mm-hmm. My, like my, dog I canine perception and response to very feline body language. This is the name of the study. Someone do it, please. Oh my gosh,
0: my brain is just going a mile a minute about the like. Okay, I know experimental design. We'll get off the yeah. podcast. Yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay, for all those people who are subscribed to the po- private podcast, maybe we'll talk about the experimental design for this magical uh, thing on there. Um, yay, nerding it. So yeah, I think you're you hit the nail on the head right? There's just so many things that could go wrong in communication. There's so many things that you kind of need to like prepare your animals for. And it's actually a miracle that most of the time it goes okay,
1: right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, does it go okay most of the time? I think this is my realization is like you only, you see the videos of the dog and the cat snuggling. Like anytime you know, Beacon goes and lies on the couch and then Twig chooses to get up and lie next to her or more likely he's curled up in her bed and then she's like, I'll just lie down around you. Like, they're not snuggling, but those are, of course, the pictures where I'm like, I have to take this picture, I have to put it on the internet, they're in love. And so... And I also, I do think they're in their own special kind of love, but they are not intentionally snuggling with each other. But no one's posting pictures on the internet being like, today's the day that my dog tried to kill my cat and was almost successful. Or right. my cat hasn't come out from under my bed since I got my dog six months ago. No. Or like, n- no one is sharing about all of those hard pieces, which also makes it harder to share. So I'm not. I am. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing it. it. Yeah, I love that. Thank you.
0: (laughs) No problem. I think it's it's a huge thing. Like, we all feel really, really alone. Okay, Instagram, I love Instagram, but there's too much cute shit on Instagram. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's not all, it's not all happy. and, And it's not, it's not all that it starts bad and then ends up happy rainbows, too. I think that that's like, we all love a good story, but yeah, there's a lot of probably dog-cat relationships that we as humans, whether knowledgeable about behavior or not, might say, oh, that's fine. They're okay. But the more you start learning about body language, the more you start thinking about really what are the patterns of behavior around each other? Is that how that animal would would behave in a different scenario? Is it really fine? a fine is the worst word ever.
1: I was just thinking, like... I have only very recently like looked at your website and seen some of what you do. And maybe you'll even ask me about this at the end, but I just wanna say coming out of all of the scenarios that I've been in with dogs and cats, my biggest advice for anyone is don't just let them work it out because it could be fine, but it also really, really could not be fine. And there's so many people out there like you who can help can help them work it out, right? And, and not just work it out, but like be more comfortable understanding how to live in a new setting with this new creature that they live with.
0: Right, at least from the beginning, trying to set it up so that things go at the right pace. And even if things seem okay, there's always room for improvement and doing some small tweaks. I have a client right now who like literally just like adding a little ladder for their cat to allow him to be up in the living room and watch the three dogs as they're (laughs) there on the ground. And he can look out the window and have this other source of reinforcement and enrichment where he is safe from the dogs. Just adding that, they can be in the same room now. Whereas before that there was like barking and craziness and he was just like petrified. And it's amazing. So really just thinking about there's so many different options and potential resolutions or at least potential improvements that can be made. And if you have cat dog issues or not even issues, maybe like, you know, some small things that you think you have questions about, right? That's where this community of I want us to like all realize that we exist. <laughs> yes. Um, and to at least like have a little discussion about like the good things that happened the not good things that happened and like just normal daily life with both cats and dogs because it's not talked about very much at all
1: and like professionals need professionals i want to say that like i have consulted with dog trainers and i also um so a few years ago we had three cats And our old lady cat was just having a very hard time with the young boy cats. And it was making for a very stressful, not nearly as stressful as (laughs) Lenny, but a stressful living situation. And in that case, we had a cat behaviorist come to our home and talk through some of the tweaks that we could make. And it was so humbling as a dog behavior person. I know a lot about behavior and I know a lot about behavior across Many, many, a few different species, let me be realistic. Um, Cats are not my area of expertise and it was so helpful to get tips like that, like put a shelf here and so your cat can jump up and be away from the other two cats or put a ramp over here. And I think for a long time, I was like, you don't need help with cat behavior. Like I'm a behavior analyst and a doctor. trainer I don't need help, but some of the things I didn't know, I didn't know really made an enormous difference. And I'm just thinking about how much I wish you had existed on my radar 10 years ago. Like where else could we have been early on? But I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to like, I don't, I don't know how your structure works, but. I think even just an hour conversation to say like, here's where I live, here's what this looks like and get some tips and strategies can go so far in comfort and can be such little tweaks that make such a big difference.
0: Yeah, I, that's a good segue for the different options that I do offer, but there's, I have a club, an online club for dog and cat owners <laughs> who want to connect and talk about things that are going well, things that aren't going well, and just kind of to see what's possible from other people. And then I have a private training program that kind of feeds into that. So we would go through a process of evaluating your space and teaching the important skills to both the dogs and the cats and making sure that everyone is enriched appropriately. And then going through, you know, an integration process that works well for you. So that's the private part of it, right? I'm not going to just throw you into a group if you have no idea what the best thing for your animals is. And I think that that setup has been so valuable for a lot of people where they can get confident in understanding their own animals, their own space, and then can go in and say, okay, I understand these concepts and I'm going to take them and run with them within the group where everyone is also talking about these same situations. Yeah, and it all starts with a short strategy session, by the way, if anyone wants. So that's that little conversation that you're talking about. Is there there a potentially easy fix for all these things? And just kind of helping you conceptualize the, the way things might go to get your house feeling a little less stressful. I think that's the big takeaway for me is from your story is just like how important it is to live in a home, for everyone to live in a home where they're not chronically stressed.
1: Right, and everyone has the right to that. I think it took me so long to be like, oh right, also my wife is (laughs) everything. You know, it was so much about like, how do we manage the pets and and who we were prioritizing and realizing that like, it was also fair to consider. I wanna say it's fair to consider ourselves, but I think I was overlooking that I needed to be considering everyone. And she was being so kind and and putting up with how long it took me to get there.
0: Yeah. I mean, the emotional factor of all this is really important to consider. It's usually a project in some way, whether it's intensity or time or both. <laughs> and so really coming up with a plan of like how to manage your own stress level through this is, is super important as well. And I'm glad that you were able to take a step back and realize, you know, the importance of factoring that in to your plan. Oh, Oh, I love talking to you so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you. This is so fun. No
0: problem. I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to do this some other way. I think there's people are going to have a lot of questions. Um, So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way to reach you?
1: Oh, great question. Probably actually through Instagram, um, Rand Talks Dogs is my Instagram handle and that is sort of my personal one. So I'm also, I run our Dog Behavior Institute Instagram as well. And I don't know, I try to be more professional there or something <laughs> versus Rand Talks Dogs. I'm like, and here's everything that's happening. And also here's my dog and what I'm thinking about today. So I love, and that's how we connected too. So I I love chatting with people there. Um, I love breaking down behavioral concepts, as you said, like Mm -hmm. nerdy behavior stuff, talking about super nerdy behavior stuff, and then also making it a little, I don't want to say less nerdy, but a little more understandable for someone who's not like reading their textbook for fun. Wow, I sound so cool.
0: (laughs) You are cool. You're the coolest. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I think that'll wrap us up for now. I think that you are fantastic. Thank you. Um, and I look forward to everyone being able to hear this conversation and to continue all the different branches that you could, the rabbit holes that you could go down. Yeah. So.
1: Oh my gosh. And I would love to talk experimental design or just like I don't know, nerd out. Okay. So I'm going to stop the podcast here. Great. And then for,
0: you know, if you want to hear experimental design nerding out, you can uh, join the private podcast, which I will uh, give some information in the show notes as well. So hopefully I'll see some of you all there. Thank you so much for your time. You're
1: awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening thanks so much
0: for listening if this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app you can also follow me on instagram at phraseworthy i'd love to hear your suggestions who should i interview next and if your pets are getting along and you don't know where to start Go download my free Pets Process Guide, a step-by-step explanation of the process that I use with my own clients when helping them through their coexistence journey. You can get access to the guide by going to praiseworthypets.com slash guide. That's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Trained Cats and Dogs.